Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. because I've got 30 minutes exactly. And uh, we've been speaking about strengthen and about the things that strengthen our life. I talked about a life of gratitude and uh, about building joy in your life, about vision. Uh, They're all internal things. Tonight I want to speak to you about the things, at least one thing anyway, that's external. It's not about your inner life, though it obviously is impacted by your inner life. And quite frankly, I believe tonight will be profound for many of you here <clears throat> that perhaps have sought for answers for this area of your life and have wondered why you just don't seem to find success in it. And I believe tonight will help you with that. I believe that if you are struggling in this area, then I would encourage you to make notes. It's a simple message, but it's profound. I'm amazed that more people, I've never heard a message like this, and obviously I haven't heard it everywhere, so maybe lots of people are saying it, and I just haven't heard it. But tonight I want to speak to you about the thing that strengthens you that's actually outside of you. And by that I'm not talking about heaven or some encounter with God like that. I'm speaking about community. And I want to begin with Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, and this is what it said. And the Lord God said, everyone say God said. Because if God said it, it's not an opinion. If God said it, it's not just a result of a survey, somebody's idea. It's not a psychology department or some other kind of theorist coming up with an idea about the way humanity works. We are speaking about the God who created mankind and created womankind, created you and I. And God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. God looks at the man that he has made, placed in the paradise on earth, the Garden of Eden. He's free from sickness and disease. He's free from all enemies and obstacles. And then God says, in the midst of absolute perfection on the planet, which nobody here has ever seen, He uh, says about this person that he's put in that level of amazing provision, just everything you ever needed there. And he says, you know what? There's something missing here. Something in this scene is not good. Let me pause just long enough. This isn't the, the substance of it, but I've got to give some background to the things I'm going to say about community that I believe are Holy Spirit inspired and profound. I believe they're biblical. You can check them out. But here's some things that we need to know. Number one is that there's a need in every one of us that all of the wealth and all of the comfort of the world cannot meet, cannot provide, cannot fix. There's something in all of us. I was thinking about people that I know that have had relationship breakdown. I've got friends of mine that have been through, and they are my friends, that have been through marriage uh, breakdown after marriage and are now uh, <clears throat> into numbers of them gone past in their life. And you would think that therefore they would swear off companionship or marriage, but they don't. They keep looking. Why? Because every single one of us are designed for community and companionship. 
Every single one of us. Now, tonight's not going to be a, a message about dating or a message about finding a partner. You can take everything I'm going to say tonight and apply it to your workplace, apply it to your university or your school. You can apply it to the church. You can apply it to any area of relationships that you have in life. But I believe that some of us, now, you may be older. And so everybody thinks if you're older, you know, like if you've been married 40 years, everybody thinks, which we are, Rhonda and I, people act like, well, you must have sorted it all out. No, because that would imply that somehow or other we stayed the same for every year of the 40. But we didn't. The man that Rhonda married 40 years ago is not the same man she's married to today. Shock and horror. Oh, it's a different man. Uh, Yes, it is, because you keep on changing. And so I want to talk to you about some things that never change, no matter how much you change. But the first thing you've got to know is that there is a need in in us. All the money in the world won't fix it. All of the places you can go and all of the comfort and encouragement you can get won't fix it. Here's the second incredibly important thing that you have to know, and that's this, that God said it's not good that man be alone. He never said it's not good that man be single. I'll say that again. I know of cultures on the planet where to be 25 and single is actually a shame. Now, that's not from God. That's out of culture. And I've watched some people over my lifetime who feel like I'm, I'm going to be on the shelf. I'm going to be an old maid. I'm going to be finished. My life's not complete. Listen, God never said it's not good that you are single. He said it's not good if you are alone and they're quite different. We all know that it's very possible to be in a crowded room and yet to be alone. And every one of us needs, come on, every one of us needs. Don't kind of think, well, look, I've spoken to people who've said to me, I don't need church, you know, and and I get what they're trying to say is, I don't need that expression. But you know what? Every believer is designed by God to belong somewhere. Ephesians chapter 10, verse 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day, the day, the return of Christ approaching. In other words, every believer needs connection and community in their life. You won't make it, you won't survive, at least not well, uh, without that. And it's important that we get that. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 10 says, Woe, woe, but woe means woe, woe, woe. Woe to him or to her that is alone when he or she inevitably falls. There's going to come difficulty in your life. And if you have never, listen, we, we operate online church here. We have podcasts. We have, uh, we have a private YouTube channel. Well, not private. You can join it. Uh, just, you know, search Metro Church WA on YouTube. It'll come up with us. And you can online, and I know people all around Australia and people overseas that watch that. Uh, and I've heard of people sitting at airports and get the notification, get online. I talked to someone this week who said, I watch you guys on YouTube. That's so awesome. I think that's great. But can I tell you that as much as I love all of that, 
that there is something that the internet is never going to give you. There's something the TV preacher uh, will never be able to bring to you, no matter how much you enjoy. Can I say this? Because lots of people listen to podcasts. Don't fall in love with a preacher or a preaching style because that's only part of the equation. Otherwise, you will end up an incredibly brain-educated Christian, but an incredibly socially and spiritually stunted believer. All right? It's important that we connect. We get together. That's why every ministry in this church has connection built into it. So MYA is not just where we come along and we dialogue together and talk about all the important issues of being young and old in the 21st century. And what it's like to be a believer and all the rest of that kind of stuff. It's not about that alone. That, why, do we, why do we have like milkshakes stuff? It's not because we go, well, we better feed them. It's got nothing to do with that. It's about connection. And, and milkshakes are just an excuse, like tempered bowling was. You know, nobody's going to run around talking about who won. You know, at least I haven't heard anybody talk about who won. It's not about that. It's about who did I connect up with while I was there, all right? And I realise we're living in a world where it's become easier to disconnect out of pain. So if I get hurt, you know, I don't want to talk to anybody anymore. Leave me alone. And we get in our air-conditioned cars, we drive to our air-conditioned office cubicle with our headphones on so that we don't have to interact with anybody and then we get it back into our air-conditioned car or we go and sit on the train or the bus with our headphones on and our head and our, our face down like this so that we never have to connect. Then we go home and go into our room and come out for a meal, maybe. That's not too cynical a look, I don't think. So I realise I'm kind of spitting into the wind here. I'm sailing against the current. But there's a good reason for it. Why wonder him or her that's alone when they inevitably will fall or fail? So if we all know that we're designed for community, that it's not good to be alone, how calm, tell me how calm, so many people, Christians and non-Christians, struggle in this area. How come there's so many people just going, I'm off, I'm out, I'm check, forget it, I'm sick of a lot of you, I'm sick of men, I'm sick of women, I'm sick of... You know, everybody in between and all the other brands and shapes and sizes. Well, let me tell you this, that there are three essential ingredients for every relationship, whether it's a work one, a marriage one, a dating one, a friend one, a church one, you put it a student one, doesn't matter. There are three essential ingredients for successful relationships. And without any one of these three, no relationship can be successful. Now, I'm not going to talk about compatibility or personality style or any of the rest of that. These are three things that, quite frankly, read the paper every week, like I do, uh, read the magazines, watch all the talk shows, you know, watch, uh, uh, you know, all the, the, the relationship moments they have on sunrise or whatever is your shtick. Uh, get a hold of all that stuff there, and I guarantee they won't talk about these three. And yet... These three. Matter of fact, the third one, nobody out there is talking about. Zero. None. Zero. So have I got you interested yet? Are any of you going, boy, I'd like to learn how to make a successful relationship. I'd like to learn how not to be a failure. I'd like to learn how to be happy with the people in my world. Four of you. 
Excellent. I'm just so glad I've got those four. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, this will be profound. This will be profound. Turn to the person on the other side and say, it's going to be incredibly deep. And you probably won't get it, but don't worry, I'll explain it to you later. No, 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 don't say that. That's terrible. Here's number one. First thing without which no relationship can be successful. By the way, you need all three. You can't go, well, I don't like two. I'm just going to pick out one that's good for me. I'm taking out those two. I like that one. These, these three are vital. Here's number one. First one is trust. No relationship will survive without trust. Think about it in the workplace alone. You know, the day you start wondering whether the boss is actually lining up, he's got some hidden agenda and he's about to boot you out. Let me tell you right then, the moment you get to where there's no, well, before you got to that moment, trust gets eroded in relationships. And when trust gets eroded, when I start second guessing your motives, when I start wondering if there isn't another agenda, when trust goes, relationships inevitably, listen, I'll tell you what will happen every single time. When trust goes, you will end up with law. What do I mean by that? You'll end up with rules. I've watched people do this. I've watched people live their married life out of rules. I'll do this. It becomes rules and contractual based. Now, you're going to have to think a little bit with me here tonight, maybe because your relationships are all great apart from those four people. Uh, but the rest of you, you'll have to imagine someone you know. Well, listen, when trust goes, suspicion comes. Suspicion, listen, suspicion always breeds rules. Not against rules, but rules are not a foundation for a good relationship. If you haven't figured that out yet, trust me, maybe some of you here, you just got raised in a family where it was, well, if you, if you behave yourself, I will do this. You know, if you are good, I will give you this. Well, that's one level of relationship, but it's useless for intimacy. There is zero intimacy without trust. And I'm not talking about sexual intimacy here. I'm speaking about hard intimacy, one with another the kind of connection that allows you to enjoy somebody else's company and presence. Are you with me? Huh? Some of you are looking at me like a little bit like you lost me already. Uh, stick with me here. Trust. Why does the Bible never say ever? Learn to trust God. That phrase doesn't appear in the Bible. But hundreds of times in the Bible, this phrase appears. Trust. I'll read it to you. Proverbs 3, verse 5, put it up, please. It just says this, get this, trust in the Lord. It's not saying, would you like to think about it, pray about it, do a bit of research, is God trustworthy? It doesn't say anything there about anything God has done in the past. He declares, regardless of my past, he says, trust. He says this, trust in the Lord with what? Some of your heart, but just be really careful because you don't want to give anybody all your heart. You never know what they might do. That's not what it says. It says trust. Can I tell you the number of times I've spoken to couples, particularly, where there's been a breakdown of some form of the relationship and trust disappears. Almost always I will hear this kind of phrase. Well, he has to earn my trust again. And the moment I hear that, I say, stop. That's impossible. There's no such thing as earning trust. 
Trust can't be taken from somebody else because you've earned enough credits. Trust always has to be given. You give God your trust. God doesn't have to earn my trust and neither does anybody else. Trust has to be given. So trust is an incredibly powerful foundation for a relationship in life. Any relationship. If you go to work every day going, I wonder when the boss is up, don't trust him. You know, the man. You know. Whatever the symbol might be for that. I don't know what it is. I'm just flinging my fingers out and seeing if one of them works where. You know what I mean? You, you, the day you do that, I'll tell you, the, is the day you'll pull out, listen, you'll, you'll do what I said. You'll pull out your workplace contract because you're reverting to law. You're going back to rules. Now it's like, yeah, well, what, you know, what, have I, what do I get if they make me redundant? I'm not saying that's bad. There's nothing wrong with contracts. But it's not a foundation for a flourishing relationship. Sad to say some people do that in their church life. Well, before I sign anything, you know, write my name on a connect card, best of luck with that, buddy. Oh, hatted man. Here's the second one. Are you ready? These are simple, but they're profound. Here's the second thing that's essential to every successful relationship is initiative. Someone has got to act. You remember what it was when you were going to maybe, I don't know, some of you here, maybe you've never dated anybody yet or never had that kind of relationship. But you know what? Someone's got to go. Because secret love is useless love, isn't it? Huh? No? Come on, I feel like, come on, like, hello. Are you all human or what? You know what it's like where you admired somebody, you really liked them, and you weren't going to say anything. Why? Well, they mightn't like me back. You know, when Luke and Nikki, Luke looked over at Nikki and thought she's a world-famous ballerina. You know, and who am I? And what am I? All that stuff. And, you know, and he looked over there and he go, oh, she probably wouldn't want to know me. You know, and, and so he just, he just loved her from afar. Is this true at all? Like, I have no idea. I'm making it up as I go along. There's Nick right there. Luke's just left. So, so I've, I feel like, hello, you walked out of the building, baby. I can say whatever I like. Think about this a minute. Isn't it true? Loving somebody from afar is pretty useless, really. The reality is, for any relationship initiative... Here's the problem. Most of us have initiative at the beginning of a relationship and then we park it from there on. We stop having any initiative. And so we step back. Listen to me. What I'm saying, this is so true and so powerful. We step back into insecurity. Well, what if, what if, you know, I say something and then they get upset at me? That's insecurity. Well, you know, I just don't feel really confident. Shyness, past hurts, fears, a sense of inferiority. Listen to the words of Matthew 18, verse 15. And listen to what Jesus is telling these people. Apart from a formula of how to repair damage, listen to what he's actually saying. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. 
If he hears you, you've gained your brother. I've read that verse to hundreds of people over the 31 years nearly of this church's life and the number of people who have left the church rather than do Matthew 18 verse 15. Because they're, they're not going to go and say anything. They'll go, no, 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 no. And can I say this? And we're a very multicultural church, 80 nationalities. But Aussies, we are about the worst at this of any culture I know. You know, because we're like, oh, you know, what's the matter? Nothing. What's up? Nothing. Have I upset you? No. <laughs> See the Aussies, we're, we're really good at this. Come on, any Aussies want to own up, huh? I know all you Samoans, you're not like that. You just let, you're there, you're an open book, you bring it out, all of the, you know, all the people from India, from Mauritius, from, from, from wherever, Korea, from America, Americas, they're totally out there. They're going to tell you what they think, like, hello. <laughs> Aussies, no, no, we're going to keep it all belted up inside. And listen to what Jesus said again. He said, if you've got something against your brother, watch it. He says, you go. Yeah, but I don't want to cause trouble. Apparently, Jesus thinks the way to successful relationships is for initiative. He didn't say go and read them the big toilet roll list of all the things you hate about them. He said about one fault. He said go and see them about one. Successful relationships always will always require positive action and not just at the beginning. Amen? Amen? You know, when you join this church... You come up and you go, I love this church, Pastor. Oh, Pastor, I love this church. Oh, I love this church. Pastor, I love this church. I love your preaching. I think you're the most awesome preacher in the world. And I always go, mm, well, maybe. Uh, and I love the worship, Pastor. And, and or as they come, they go, that foul Mola Paula. Oh, man, can he preach. Pastor, you can go away more often. <laughs> I said that because foul preached this morning and I always get texts and messages from people saying how amazing it was, which I love, quite frankly, and, and genuinely do. But you know what it's like? We kind of have a lot of initiative when we're courting or starting. But after you've been here a while, you just don't talk about it anymore. Without initiative, there can be no successful relationship. Here's number three. I told you these were simple, but they're profound. There's three. I'm not going to give you 25, just three. Trust. Initiative, here's the third one, and this is the one you'll never hear spoken about outside. It's not going to be on, on sunrise or anywhere else. It's grace. Grace. Every human being is flawed. None of you aren't. I know some of you here don't believe you are, and that's your flaw. You know what I mean? Pastor, I'm not. I'm right and he is 100% wrong. Amen? Well, that's like telling me that you did the waltz all on your own. Oh, no, you didn't. You had a partner. Amen? There's no such thing as it was all all one or all the other. No, it takes more than that. Now, here's the problem. I want you to watch this. If I had a whiteboard, I'd draw this for you. Because this is the way it is. Let's imagine a circle right now and... And this is you starting 
a relationship successfully. And, you know, you see all the great things about that person because that's what opens your eyes to their potential. You look at them and go, they're so kind, they're so diligent, they're generous, they're affectionate, they're loving, they're, they want to be with me. That alone makes them discerning. All, the, all those things. And you get all of that. And so then you, you finally pop the question and say, will you spend the rest of your life with me? And you can hardly believe it when they say yes. You go, well, thank God. So you quickly, you quickly get married. You, you, you are not going to let them escape. You've got this. You're there. And then about six months later, you wake up and wonder who that person is. And then you start noticing things about them. And you know that they just got that habit. But the reality is it was there the whole time. You just never saw it. And I've watched people do this. Let me take it out of the romantic realm because some of you are a bit uncomfortable about that. I've watched this over the years. Whenever we hire someone, whenever someone comes and staff our church, when they first come on, everyone loves them. They are amazing. They can do no wrong. They can walk on water holding Jesus' hand or not hold his hand, just walk on water. They're incredible. Six months later, I will start hearing criticism about them. Just not the bad stuff, just someone going, you know, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. And I go, oh, really? And it, the impression is that somehow or other, you know, we, they just started acting like this. When I go, no, you fell in love with the 90%. But the 10% was always there. And you know what the 10% is? The 10% is the space for grace. Because there's no human beings that aren't flawed. This is what most of us do. We fall in love with the 90%, whether it's a church, whether it's a job. Remember the job you're in now that you get up, you're going to go, you'll say tonight, I've got to go to work tomorrow. Got to go to work tomorrow. Oh, the boss, he's such a... Such a dipstick. God, the boss, such a mongrel. And I thought I'd use a couple of old words. Uh, you know, and I've got to go to work anyway. And, and you go to work there. And, and, but do you remember when you started? You told everyone this was the best job on the planet and how much you loved it. And, and that this was the great, they were the most amazing people, that the boss was the best boss you've ever worked for and all the staff were incredible. Now you're going, oh, do I have to? What's the difference? The difference is that you stopped focusing on the 90% and started focusing on the 10%. And instead of having grace for that space, you now shift grace right out of the road and you can't even remember all the 90% of the good things. And when you can't remember that and you don't have any grace for the people in that space, guess what you do? You will leave that space looking for the 10%. Can I be this blunt in church and say that's what affairs are? Affairs where people forget the 90% and go looking for the 10. Now, I don't know about you and your economics, but in my financial world, that's dumb. To forsake 90% in the hopes of gaining 10% is pretty crazy. But people do it. Why? Because in every relationship, come on, come on. You're, 
Some of you are looking at me a little bit like, like, do I have to squirm anymore? Will he stop soon? Yes, I will. Uh, but I hope this is helping you because every single one of us here in every single relationship we have have to find the place of grace. The only person in the universe that doesn't need the grace of God is the one who sits at the right hand of the Father. He doesn't need grace. The Bible calls Jesus the giver of all grace. Amen. Why does he, he doesn't need it because he is perfect, but the rest of us aren't. And so does that mean you just tolerate stuff? No, come on back to initiative. Come on back to trust. I'm not saying you just put up with stuff. I'm not saying grace is just putting up with but I'm saying this. In every relationship in your world, you are engaging with another human who will annoy you. I, I, I kind of think, I feel like I should have just picked a much easier topic tonight. Something a little bit less honest. Uh, but I want to help you because if you don't get this, and if you don't consciously say this is a grace space, then you'll, do, you'll create separation between you and the other person. Trust or initiative. You just won't bother with them anymore. I think grace is the one. It's the crux of them all. And it's strange to me, but it's not, that you'll never hear grace spoken of out in our world. It's all about law. We need more rules. We need more laws. We need more of this. We need more of that. When the reality of the human race needs a lot of grace because we are broken. I don't mean broken irreparably. I don't mean broken as in a terrible state. I just mean that's just a reality. Listen to this last verse. I'll finish with this. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Live creatively, friends. That means think about possibilities. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Of course, the Bible would make it out to be a man. Forgivingly. <laughs> I was just... Forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day is out. That's about having grace. Can we just agree? If, if everybody here says, Jeff, I want to have successful relationships. Build trust. Take the initiative. Now, if you take the initiative every five minutes, and by the way, I forgot one. Here's another one. I'd probably say that you need to work more on point three on having grace for others. But if you know, I, I've been a pastor a long while and the thing I love about this church is the community. I love the fact that people genuinely love each other. Even though no one in this church, not even the senior pastor, is even close to perfect. And yet somehow or other we've been able to navigate. We've never had a church split. We've never had any kind of uprising or all the rest of that stuff. Why? I think because the grace of God has been here for a lot of us. It's not out of our cleverness. The grace of God. We understand that God's grace exists and we bring it into our relationships so we can understand that occasionally you might make a bit of a mess. Thanks, guys. Occasionally you might need grace. And it's okay to need grace in Jesus' name. Build 
Build trust. Maybe you've lost it tonight. Let me pray with you. Maybe when it comes to initiative, you just say, Jeff, I find that so hard. Maybe you just go, I find it hard to say what I really think or feel. I'm frightened of some kind of, you know, retribution or whatever. Can I encourage you? Build it. Build it. Learn how to start taking the initiative. Thirdly, you start developing grace for the people in your relationships. It'll totally transform your workplace if you become known as the person with grace. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for every person here, Lord. You know all of us. You know what we're about. You know what we need. And every one of us, Father, in this place, you made us for relationship and for community. And Lord, if we're ever going to get strength out of community, then we can't keep connecting and disconnecting and be up and down. We're going to have to allow strength to come. So thank you for the people that are round about us, even the ones we don't like all the time. Thank you for the people, God, that you bring to our life so that we can grow, grow in you and grow in faith, grow in trust, grow in love. Thank you for that in Jesus' name.